Welcome to the 12th House Podcast. My name is Michelle Pelazon. I'm the CEO and founder of Holisticism, and I'm so excited that you're here. In the 12th House, we strive to provide you practical advice alongside mystical and magical solutions for everything in your life, how you walk through the world. And above all, we want to provide you the empowerment to listen to your own intuition as you navigate this little thing called life. No big deal. Super casual. (laughs) In today's podcast, I'm talking about the four pillars of intuitive business, which honestly, (laughs) I think about every single day. They're maybe the most important thing to me. (laughs) They're so crucial to um, me feeling like I have some structure and also something to strive for every single day. Now, if you're not an intuitive business owner or you're not a business owner, that's totally fine. I think the four pillars actually are really amazing for providing some structure for your personal dreams and goals and magic in your life. And if you do own a business or you want to start a business soon, I think you'll love this podcast. So let's get into it. All right, let's kick it off with our galactic weather forecast. In the galactic weather forecast, we'll be talking about the energy that's going on out there in the world. So we might talk a little bit about astrology. We might talk a little bit about the human design calendar. We might talk about, I don't know, pagan holidays. We also might talk about things like politics, gasp, or what's going on in the environment around us. We're talking about the energy, people. This is the energy forecast. So this week, (laughs) we have a lot happening kind of a shit show, but in a good way, hopefully cross your fingers. So probably the thing that's on most Americans' mind, whether they follow astrology or not, is the presidential election, which is coming up in just a couple of days. This presidential election, if you follow like literally any astrologer on Instagram, you'll know that it is a doozy energetically because not only are we in Mars retrograde right now, Mars, obviously a very powerful, strong planet. Think of Mars or Aries, the Greco-Roman god, who's the god of war. We're also in a Mercury retrograde. And Mercury retrograde, as we've all been sort of (laughs) trained to know by this point, is a time when miscommunication happens. Like a lot. If you're like me, I've sent like a hundred emails I wasn't supposed to send this week. But you know, it's okay. Retrogrades are not something to be afraid of. They are just something for us to notice, right? They're more information. You're going to get really tired of me saying intuition is information because it is. That's all that it is. We get to choose how we want to act on that information. So knowing that a planet is retrograde, meaning that it's it looks like from Earth, we call it retrograde because it looks like from Earth, the orbit of the planet that is outside of us, Mercury most of the time, but Mars and the other outer planets actually is slowing down and going behind us. So reversing. In reality, the planet isn't going backwards. It just looks like it's going backwards. But this is actually a really good metaphor for retrogrades. Not everything is what they seem. Yeah, it looks like the planet is going in reverse, but it's not actually. It's just our perception. (laughs) And if we had a different perspective, if we were looking at the planet from a different point of view, it wouldn't look like that. Same thing with retrogrades. They are a time for us to acknowledge our perspective, right? Where we're seeing something from and to maybe review it, to refine it, to return back to it. Often retrogrades are a time where we go back to unfinished business from the retrograde prior to that. So for this Mercury retrograde, maybe go back to what you started in July. What do you need to finish? What's coming back up for you? Maybe uncomfortable situations that never got closure or maybe even comfortable situations that you feel like you didn't get closure on might come back around and you might be able to get closure this time around. Retrogrades are not bad. They're not something to be afraid of. They're just a time for us to maybe go a little bit slower and maybe look at things from a different perspective. So same thing with Mars, right? Maybe we look at the way that we interact, that we are in action, the way that that we experience rage or anger and we examine it from a different perspective. Maybe we give ourselves permission to feel that rage and anger. I don't know. It's up to you. But these two things are happening right now. And this is a time of the year when the veil is very thin because we're at Halloween. 
And this Halloween is fucking spooky as shit, you guys, because it's a full moon in Taurus. And not only is it a full moon on Halloween, but it is a blue moon, meaning that this is the second full moon of the month. That means that this full moon is all about releasing, even more so than a normal full moon would be. This is also, obviously, Samhain. This is the season when the veil is thin and when we can connect with our ancestors or spirits from beyond. And when we're recognizing fall and the fall harvest and the changing of the seasons, weather is starting to get a little cooler, nights are getting longer and darker, and we're stepping into another dimension, right? Another experience. So what do you need to know about this full moon? It's on Saturday, October 31st. I'm guessing that, you know, Halloween's canceled because coronavirus. So what can you do? What can you think about? How can you take advantage of this energy? Definitely a time to release. So if you can give yourself an opportunity to either like brain dump in your journal, the things that you feel like are holding you back or are really like frustrating you, bothering you, making you angry, that Mars retrograde energy might be a really good time to do it. Those things also might be a bit stubborn because they might not want to leave, right? They might not want to be released at this time when Mercury is retrograde and when Mars is retrograde. They might want to stick around and be worked out. So know that you might feel the effects of this moon for a couple of days, especially because it's super strong. And this could be a great time to maybe like release something that's been going on that you felt within you that happens to do with your ancestors or your bloodline. Maybe you want to release old stories about your family and now would be a great time to talk to your loved ones who have passed on because the veil is thin. And this would be a great time to vote. So if you haven't registered to vote yet and you're in a state where you can, I strongly recommend doing it because Lord knows we need you to speak your voice and, and this is a perfect time to do it. Hello, and welcome to the 12th house. My name is Michelle. I'm the CEO and head witch in charge at Holisticism. And today we're going to be talking about the four pillars of intuitive business that you got to know, that you got to look at to plan your 2021. Now, if 2020 is not as anything, it's that the best laid plans sometimes go up in smoke and then get exploded in a garbage trash fire that takes over the planet. <laughs> but... If 2020 has taught us that, it's also taught us that you can come up with a new plan right after that, right? And, and, and you can execute on the new plan. And honestly, things feel a lot better when we've got a clear plan of action ahead of us. Even if when it comes to actually implementing that plan, we don't stick exactly to it. If life happens to us, it's still you know nice to know what we're aiming for. So if you survived 2020 as a business owner, huge kudos to you, my friend. Pour yourself a gigantic glass of wine. You deserve it. Or you're thinking about starting a business in 2021 because, I mean, if you survived 2020, you might as well just go start a business. Like you can totally do anything for real. Like do it. I recommend, and I think you should take a look at the four pillars of intuitive business because it will be super helpful to map out what you want your year to look like. You know, for me, 2020 was definitely a doozy of a year, but I'm so glad that I sat down in the end of 2019 to lay out what the goals for my work at Holisticism were going to be. And while things definitely evolved and changed, there were many unforeseen circumstances, I'm still so proud of how we progressed. And I don't think that I would have been able to hold on, especially during those really tough months in early spring, if I didn't have these goals sort of hovering over my head. They metaphorically are on my wall, right? They're actually, they live in a notion document on my desktop. But I look at my goals and the four pillars of intuitive business for holisticism pretty much every week because they absolutely direct the trajectory of how I use my energy and also how my team uses their energy. So the four pillars of intuitive business, and when I say intuitive business, I just mean you're using your intuition to run your business. It's not that complicated. <laughs> the four pillars of intuitive business are growth, revenue, retention, and impact. Now you can absolutely apply these four pillars to your life. If you are not a business owner yet, or you have no interest in being a business owner, 
all good, but you want to create some structure for yourself and maybe some more intuitive goals as opposed to what we hear about, which are like smart goals, which kind of give me an anxiety attack when I think about them. Like my throat's closing up, just kind of thinking about smart goals, but intuitive business goals that are aligned with your four pillars of intuitive business feel a lot more spacious and they feel a lot more exciting, at least to me. So whether you're applying these pillars for your real life, your normal life, or for your business, I think they'll be really useful. So the first category is growth. I also always like to bring in cycles if I can, and the natural cycles, how the natural world works. I think this is a huge part of using intuition in our businesses and in our lives is seeing where we can take cues from organisms and ideas and frameworks that are far more intelligent than we are. And I would definitely say that nature is way smarter than I am. So I like to break up the four pillars into different seasons too. So growth, our first season would be spring. Growth obviously is all about expansion and evolution and magnifying. It's very, you know, Jupiter. I think of Jupiter, the planet, if Emily Rousseau or head astrologer at holisticism were here, she would say it was very, a real Jupiter vibe with the growth and expansion situation conversation. So in work, what does this look like? What do our growth goals look like? Well, could be anything, could be anything that pertains to growth in your business, could be you growing your audience. It could be you growing your community. It could be you growing your team. We're going to get to revenue in a second. So it doesn't necessarily pertain to growing your bank account, but growth could also look like picking up new skills or exploring new ideas. Maybe if you're going to be applying these pillars to your personal life, that's where you want to think about your growth. Where are you growing in expanding and in your personal development and who you are? So when we're laying out our growth goals, don't just pick a random number. Don't just say, oh yeah, I want to have 100,000 followers on Instagram or, or 10,000 followers on Instagram. Or you know, I want to get 700 new people in my community or I want to get 15,000 new email subscribers. Well, those are all fine, right? They're, they're good goals to have. We don't just want to put that on, on our to-do list or our board, right? We want to sort of back into what we're trying to accomplish. So what I like to ask myself after I sort of come up with that growth number, let's say that I want to grow my email list to 15,000 people, which would be if you were starting from scratch, would definitely be a challenge, but you could absolutely do it. I would ask myself, what am I going to have to do to get there? So what do I need to learn or know in order to, to get more email subscribers? Maybe I don't know anything about email. So pro tip, go download the email list magic course, which is free at holisticism.com. But maybe I need to sign up for an email service provider, or maybe I need to organize some partnerships or some collaborations because there's no way that I can just grow that list organically using the power of Instagram. I'm definitely going to need to reach out and recruit some help to get me there. Maybe I need to start a blog or and post regularly on that blog. So there's a call to action for people to download a lead magnet every week that I put up in my blog posts and that adds my people to my email list, so on and so forth. So we don't want to just sort of pick an arbitrary number or goal and then leave it. This is kind of to me like feels like a dead goal, right? Like doesn't have any liveliness to it. Doesn't have any life to it. We want our goals to feel generative, to feel like they have a pulse of their own, to feel like they've got energy behind them. And so I think a helpful way to do that is by backing yourself up into what you're trying to accomplish and laying out the steps that you're going to need to take to get there. So maybe my goal is, you know, I add 15,000 people to my email list and then I'll create a couple of subcategories underneath that of I fulfill 10 partnerships with people that I am obsessed with. I run one contest every six months to grow my email list, or I upgrade to this really great email service provider like Flowdesk. And then I would focus on those on, and just those things for the next year. So that is your first category, growth. Your second category is revenue. Now, I know these two categories from the top, they just they're like obvious, right? You're like, oh, duh. Everyone talks about growth and everyone talks about revenue in their business. I agree. Yes, this is true. That's because they're important. And don't worry, the next two categories are they're good ones and they're a little surprising. So just hang tight. So revenue. Revenue is like our spring, right? Like we're wearing our bikini tops. We are showing our shoulders. We are enjoying ourselves. We're coming out. We're like living it up, right? Summer is about being resourced to me. 
it's when we have so much abundance around us. We have sunshine. We hopefully have fresh air. We have time off. We feel resourced in time, or at least we associate summer with time off. And like, think about how abundant the earth is and how fertile the earth is. Like, you you know, biting into a juicy watermelon, gosh, you really, summer is the best. It feels like the most riche time of the year. So when we're thinking about our revenue, we've got that summer feeling in terms of this pillar. I want you to ask yourself, where are you resourced and where are you getting resource? So when we're creating revenue goals for our business, that's very simple. Revenue is the money that you make for the work that you do, whether you're selling a product or a digital product or a service or something else, pretty much only products or services are what you can sell, but perhaps you're a consultant, which means you're selling your services. Perhaps you are a digital content marketer. So you're selling a service and you're selling a product, whatever it is, the money that you make from selling whatever your product or services is your revenue. Now, remember revenue is different than profit. Revenue is the top number. So everything that you bill in a year, profit is what you take home with you. So you subtract your costs from your revenue and that equals your profit. But we're going to look at revenue at that top line of what you're taking in. So you got to figure out what are you selling? When are you selling it? And what are your projections for the year? Maybe you're selling, you have a very normal sort of monthly cadence to the work that you do. Perhaps you sell something like candles online, right? And you're like, well, people pretty much buy candles at the same rate all year round. I don't know. I'm not a candle expert, but let's say that everyone wants candles generally around the first of the month. And so you can pretty much predict that every month you're going to have X number of sales, unless you, I don't know, invest a little bit more in marketing. And then you can expect that you're sales might increase a little bit, but you can pretty much project out what your costs are going to look like and what your revenue is going to look like, what's going to come into your business. Or maybe you are selling an online course. And so that online course isn't evergreen. It's something that you launch once or twice or three times a year. And that means that during those times, you're two or three times a year, you're going to have a huge spike in your revenue because that's when your cart's going to be open and then it'll close. And then you might not make any money for a couple months, but that's okay because you made, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars when you opened the doors to that course. So that would be important for you to know and to understand about your business so that you can plan accordingly, right? And let's say you have a huge revenue goal for the first and second quarter of the year. Well, if you don't hit those revenue goals, and you only have one or two more launches left in the second half of the year for you to really make up your money, you're going to have to find some more solutions. So figuring out what you're selling, what is the product? What's the service? When are you selling it? When in the year? Is it going to be monthly? Is it going to be weekly, daily? Is it going to be only a couple times a year? What are your general projections? What do you think is possible for you if you only made $10,000 off of a course last year and you're projecting that you're going to make $100,000 off of your course this year? That means that you're going to have to look at some of the other pillars that you're focusing on and perhaps invest a little bit in your growth, right? If you want to make more sales, you're going to have to get more customers. And you're also probably going to have to invest in our next pillar, which is retention. If you're going to keep people around and get them to come back and work with you over and over again. And finally, if you're just looking at revenue from a personal perspective, I want you to take a look at what your resources are. So where are you well-resourced and what is pouring into you? What is helping propel you and energizing you because that's effectively what revenue is, right? It's gas in the business tank. It's energy that we can add to our business to help us progress and move forward. So if we're looking at these goals from a personal perspective, revenue could be interchangeable with the idea of resource. So where are you feeling resourced and well-resourced? And what are your resources? Maybe your resources are your brilliant mind or your creative perspective. Maybe your resources are your connections to other people. That's definitely a valuable resource for many, many, many people. Maybe not people like me who are INFJs, but lots of people out there who are extroverts. Your connections are a great resource for you to have. Or maybe where you're well-resourced is in your mastery over a skill. So we've got our growth pillar and we've got our revenue pillar. And to be totally honest with you, these are the two pillars that most people pay attention to. And they're like, yeah, check it off the list. Duh. But this is only half 
<laughs> these are this these are only two of the pillars of the four pillars that you need to prop up your business and to hold up your business, not even prop it up, to create a strong foundation for your intuitive business that you want to thrive and have longevity. So the other two opportunities and pillars that you want to look at are retention and impact. Let's start with retention. So people usually forget about retention because they assume that they've got the growth, right? I need to acquire new clients. That's most of the time where people are focusing on. And then they've got the revenue. They convert the client. They get the client to buy something from them. And then they forget. They ghost. That's like the end of the where the brain works. And that is totally fine. Do not feel bad if that's you because that's what most people are teaching and that's what most businesses are talking about. And to be totally honest with you, that's like capitalism, right? Capitalism is extractive and it is degenerative. It doesn't prioritize or focus on building relationships or having longevity. Capitalism, if we think about it, is all about using up a resource as quickly as possible. And it doesn't matter if that resource doesn't grow back we don't think about it. We think about what we want in the moment. So a way to run an anti-capitalist and intuitive business is to actually prioritize retention, is to prioritize continuing an ongoing relationship with the people who are your clients and continuing to offer value to them and to pour back into them. Retention is like the fall. If we're thinking about the cycles or the seasons, Retention and fall are BFFs. Obviously, pumpkin spice latte season, right? Spooky season. But but really, fall is when we're sort of slowing down. We're thinking about nourishing ourselves. We're thinking about like warming foods and we're starting to slow down. And we might even, if you have a garden, this is a time where we sort of reseed and we take the bounty of the summer and we make sure that the soil is really nourished and healthy and will be ready for the winter and then eventually ready for planting season in the spring. So... Obviously, if you couldn't tell, I'm not a master farmer. I just like have a garden in LA. So I'm not an expert in this stuff, but that's how I think about it. So, okay. Retention. I want you to ask yourself when you're creating your retention goals, how are you thinking about longevity? That is the point of retention, right? And really that's the point of all of these pillars is to have longevity in your business. Cause you're not just like, uh, you know, a shot in the pan, my guy, you are in it for the long haul. And that's good. That's rare. The cool thing about being in your work and doing your work for a long time is that you get really, really, really fucking good at it. Most people quit things, right? Like we know that 10,000 hour rule where if you work on something for 10,000 hours, you become an expert at it. That's what we're trying to achieve. That's what we're trying to accomplish with our work, right? We're trying to stay in it long enough to get those 10,000 hours to become expert. And then when we do it becomes a little bit easier. (laughs) So when we're talking about retention, we're going to want to think about what we're offering our ideal clients or the clients that we're working with that keeps them around. And not for the sake of just keeping them in your grasp so you can take their money. That is 100% not the point. The point is we want to continue to nourish our clients. We want to continue to support them in an ongoing and generative way. Is there room for you to continue to support your client over and over and over again in what you offer and how you offer it? So let's say that you are a course creator and you make a course for your ideal client, maybe all around something like reading the tarot. Fabulous. So they go through your course. It's fucking phenomenal, obviously. And then when the course is done that's the end of your relationship with them. But I'm sure you can imagine that someone who's practicing and learning tarot is probably going to have questions as they continue on that journey, right? And maybe they eventually want to become tarot readers and do this professionally. And they're definitely going to have questions about how to do that professionally when the time comes. And you have so much opportunity to continue to guide them and mentor them on that path and help them implement the things that you've spent so much time and energy you know, teaching them and and trying to get them to to buy from you in the first place, right? It's so funny. We we spend all this time and money and energy converting clients, and then as soon as we get them to pay us, we drop them like like a lead balloon. And and we don't want to do that, right? That'd be like going after someone on Hinge and like rallying really hard, and then going on an amazing first date with them, and then being like deuces and ghosting. Like we don't want that to happen. I don't think. Doesn't sound that dope to me. 
do your own thing, but I'm a long-term relationship type of gal. So I'm looking for longevity and I'm looking for a long-term relationship with my clients, with the people who are buying things from me. So when we're thinking about retention, think about how you can continue to support your clients. Maybe that's in a product. Maybe that's in a service. Maybe that's in a training. Maybe that's just by continuing to make really amazing content that supports them beyond the time that they're in your course or after they buy your product or after they enjoy your service. And if you're thinking about this goal in accordance to how it works for you personally, think about how you're nourishing yourself. How are you preparing and prepping for longevity in your life? How are you making sure that you don't burn out? Because, oh my God, I don't want you to burn out. Ah, It's so important that you rest. And remember, this is the fall, right? So this is a time when we start to slow, when the leaves are falling, when we get a little bit more internal, a little bit more quiet. We're not totally in hibernation mode yet, but we're starting to make sure that we have everything that we need, that we are storing away our food or we're getting out our warm clothes and we have all of our supplies and we're getting ready and we're taking care of ourselves so that we can get through the winter, so that we can show up in the spring and feel ready to work. So when you're thinking about retention, ask yourself, how can I increase longevity, the longevity of my business? And how can I increase my personal longevity? Maybe I need to schedule in vacations for myself. Maybe I need to schedule in weekly or monthly retreat for my team. You can look at this however you want. And then finally, our last pillar is impact. And this is definitely one of those pillars that people do not remember. Or they remember like at the very end of the year when they're doing their year in review and they're like, ah, shit, we totally forgot to help other people this year. Damn it. Every time. So instead of having your impact be something that is sort of out of sight, out of mind, or like, you know, is the cherry on top of what you do or is just kind of like haphazardly copied and pasted at the bottom of your, you know, roundup email of what you did in the year. What if we centered our impact? What if we thought about our impact as much as we thought about our growth, as much as we thought about our revenue, as much as we thought about how we were retaining our clients? And this, of course, the impact is the winter season. And I think that this is a time when we often look inside, we look internal and we go internal, I should say, and we think about what matters to us. I always think the height of winter is around you know, January when the new year begins. And it's such a beautiful time to look at what we've accomplished in the past and what we want to accomplish in the future and write it all down. We're, We're gearing up to get to that place soon. And this is what impact is about. We're looking at what's our purpose? Why did you get into this game? Why did you get into this business? Why are you here on this planet? Because you're here for a reason. And don't get caught up in all the revenue numbers and the growth numbers and forget that you are here for a divine purpose and that your intuition led you to this point. Your intuition led you to the place of starting a business to help people, which I know if you're listening to this is who you are. So let's not you know, glaze over that or forget how important that is and how really it's in the DNA of your intuitive business and also you as a leader, You know, being able to have an impact and make an impact on people matters to you. So ask yourself how you're connecting to your community. And instead of just putting on the blinders and like leaning hard into toxic, rugged individualism, which capitalism loves to have us do, we're going to take our blinders off and we're going to look around us at our community, at the individuals who are in our community, but also, you know, maybe our local community, maybe our digital community and who it is that we want to help, who in our ecosystem do we really appreciate and value and need and who maybe needs a little bit of support and can use some support from us. And your impact goals can look like financial goals. They can look like more philanthropic. Perhaps you donate a percentage of your sales or you make a bulk some donation to a nonprofit that you really care about at the end of the year. But these goals can also look like who are you helping and what do you stand for and what good are you doing in the world? So maybe your impact goal is we help 300 kids get computers this year, or I teach 20 free classes to people who experience intersectional oppression, or 
I help create a yoga program at my local houseless shelter. There are so many different ways that you can measure your impact goals, but I would really urge you to look at how you can fold your impact goals in naturally to what it is that you do. So they feel cohesive and connective and really like a part of you and and really like an organic part of your business, not just this part of your business that you've tacked on to look good for other people. So go deep and, and discover what it is that you care about, that you're passionate about, that lights you up, that pisses you off, that you want to see change and know that you can do that. And that's the beauty of starting a business is you are creating a new world. <laughs> now I'm getting all fired up, but you're, you're, you're really creating a new world. It's magic that you are the boss of literally. And you get to decide how that world works and you get to decide what your impact looks like. And if you don't like something in your industry or in your county or in your town or in your city or in your state or in your country, you can help change it. And it starts with you at the center and it ripples out from there. So I'm a huge fan of helping your community, the people who are most local to you, whether that is geographically local or who are the closest that you interact with the most on like a regular internet basis, because that's your community. And in this digital age, community <laughs> looks a little bit different than, than it used to, but you can create impact goals because that's the point, right? We're in this together. Capitalism and the idea of being just this individual, one person against the world, climbing to the top of the pyramid, that's not it. That ain't it. We are all about creating an intuitive business and using intuitive entrepreneurship and more feminine yin ideas around business and creation. And that means prioritizing the community and the communal over our unique individual needs. So to recap, our four pillars of intuitive business are growth, revenue, retention, and impact. So how do we look at these to plan 2021 now that you kind of know what all the pillars are? First, I just want you to take some time to sit down with your calendar and actually dedicate brain space to this. If you're anything like me, you have the best intentions to like sit down and be relaxed and just let your intuition hit you like a ton of bricks when you're crafting your master plan. But often your master plan gets crafted in between meetings, on the couch, while you're still in your pajamas, while you're also listening to a podcast, right? Because that's sometimes just what you got to do because you're busy. But (laughs) so I get it, no shade, but I would love if you could schedule some time in your calendar. Maybe it's 30 minutes, maybe it's an hour, It shouldn't take you too long. It should take you about 30 minutes. But to just sit with your calendar and your notebook, if that's what you use, or maybe Notion or your Google Docs or whatever it is that you're going to write your goals down in. No podcasts on in the background, nothing to distract you. And then I would, if I were, you know, giving you a recommendation, I would pull some cards. I'd light some incense. I would make it a vibe, you know? I would make it a ritual because this is sacred, what you're doing right now. Like I said, with your intuitive business, you're creating a new world. You're creating a new paradigm. You are the master of that world. And what you're doing is magic. Writing down a goal or a vision or your belief around the new world that you could create, that is a spell, my friend. And magic You can't multitask when you're doing magic. You just can't. You have to be focused in order for it to work, in order for it to hit. So turn off the podcast, turn off the distractions, tell your spouse to just like cool it for 30 seconds so you can do your work and be the witchy, amazing witch that you are and sit down and start to sketch out three to four goals for each of these pillars in your either business or your life. So three goals for growth, three goals for revenue, three goals for retention, three goals for impact. I don't recommend having any more than that because if you have like a hundred goals for growth, you're not going to get any of them done. You're just not. It's okay. It's fine. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. And that is great because knowing that you can't do everything asks you to prioritize what really matters to you. And we, we love that. We love getting clear on priorities. So create three to four goals for each of these areas of your business or your life. Any more than three or four is way too much. So 
just rein yourself in if you go a little overboard. When you are creating these goals for growth and revenue, retention, and impact, I want you to just kind of do like back the napkin math, which I mean, I call it back the napkin math. It's just like loosey goosey math that I can kind of do on my calculator. I use round numbers. If I'm doing like a revenue goal, I'll be like, okay, I got to sell 150 of these at this price point to make X amount. And so roughly what I'm going to make in this month is going to be X, Y, Z. Don't go too much in the weeds. Remember the point is to just get these things out. You can always worry about the logistics later. And write out your goals, obviously. And I want you to put them in a place that you're going to be able to review them and look at them time and time again. Like I said, I have a little dashboard on Notion, which is a note-taking sort of souped up version of Google Docs that I'm obsessed with. And I tune into this dashboard every single day before I start my day. I do something called Monday Hour One, where I write down what I'm going to accomplish in that day. And I just take a look at it. And I look at my goals for holisticism for the year. And then I look at my goals for the quarter. And I make sure that I'm doing one thing, one big thing that day that's contributing to me getting closer to my goals. So generally, accomplishing 80% of your goals is like really good. You don't want to accomplish 100% of your goals. Because if you do, then you're you're not really aiming high enough. And, and that's okay. Like I'd love you to be impressed with yourself. But I also really want you to stretch and be uncomfortable. So if you don't fulfill 20% of the goals that you've written down, you're actually doing a really good job. Google uses this thing called OKRs, Objectives and Key Results, to create their internal goals. And their measure of success is if you if you completed 80% of your goals, they actually expect you to fail at at least 20%. Because again, that means that you're being innovative, you're stretching, you're reaching. So keep that in mind. You should have some goals in there where you're like, well, shit. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do that. And not so much that you're like, that's impossible, but where you're like, wow, that's really scary. And if I said that out loud to someone, I would feel a little crazy, but also like, I'm kind of excited about it. I don't know. Right. So that's generally 80% is a good number to hit. And if you want to go even deeper, like nerd alert, if you love goals, you can actually sketch out your goals for each quarter. So newsflash, I'm I'm the nerd alert. It's me. I love to do quarterly goals. They help me sort of take something that can feel really overwhelming, which is what I'm going to accomplish in a year or what I want to accomplish in a year and break it down into bite-sized pieces. I learned this trick a long time ago when I was learning about how to hit six-figure income how to, how to hit a hundred, a hundred K. Cause I'd never had a salary over like, you know, 60 grand and I wanted to make a hundred K and it seemed like so much money to me. Cause it was like almost double what I'd ever earned as a salary. And then I learned from someone on the internet and I wish I could remember who that you just need to break down that hundred K number into digestible bits. So a hundred K in order to make a hundred K salary, you'd need to make eight grand a month. And then I was like, oh, eight grand, that's like doable. And then if you break down eight grand into four clients, well, that's four clients that pay you $2,000. And all of a sudden, this huge goal, 100K, becomes so much more digestible and easy, easier to understand. So same thing, I think, if you've got really just big, hairy, audacious, dreamy goals for your full year that are like, oh, this is a little scary, break them down into quarterly sketches. So figure out what your revenue, retention, growth, and impact goals are going to be for each quarter. And you can either do this at the very beginning of your year, or you can do it at the very beginning of each quarter. Totally up to you. So that's like the long and short of goals of using the four pillars of intuitive business. This is truly what everything I do at Holisticism is made on. So I wanted to share, this is kind of scary for me, but some of my goals at Holisticism, because I'm someone who really I don't know about you, but I really appreciate when other people share what they're working on with me because it helps me see like, whoa, either I'm not thinking big enough or actually I'm doing really well. You know, one or the other. <laughs> if if someone's, someone's put this thing on their goal list and I've already accomplished that, that makes me feel great. Or if someone says something amazing, like I heard someone say that they wanted to make $10 million this year. And I was like, wow, that's wild. Like, that you are close to doing that is just bananas amazing. And like how cool that must be for you. It really inspired me. So I'm going to share one of my goals for 2021 for holisticism. And I know that there's a pretty good chance that some of these might change. And there's a pretty good chance that I might fail at some of these and, and that's okay, right? So my growth goal for 2021 is this podcast. We started this podcast, Embarrassing Secret 
I have been sitting on this podcast for the last year. We've had the podcast art for a whole fucking year. Shout out to Laura Strobush, who is our amazing graphic designer, who was like, are you ever going to do that thing that you said you wanted to do? Because I really want to show people the podcast art because it's amazing. So this podcast, which is really scary to put out, but really exciting. So my goal is to get to a million downloads in the next year. I, I feel like I, I hear people say that and it sounds like a good goal, but, and it also sounds kind of like a vanity goal to me, but hear me out. If I have a million people listen to this, or even if I just have, I don't know, a hundred thousand people listen to this, that would be amazing. I'd be so excited. So if you want to help me accomplish that goal, you can rate and review and subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or Apple or Spotify. But but really, if you if you rate this podcast with a kind review and an honest review and then send me a screenshot, you can just text me. I'll include my number here. I will send you a little treat. So I'll, I'll give you a, a little cool bonus that only special people will receive. It will be all about the four pillars. Okay. So send that to me. That would be great. I would really appreciate that. That's my growth goal. My revenue goal is to make a million dollars next year. So that's a big goal for us, but I think it's doable based off of our revenue last year. Our next goal is retention. So I want this year to be the year of the North Node. The North Node is our private members community that I started exactly a year ago that I'm obsessed with. It has the coolest people in it ever. God, it's like this just wealth of, it's a gold mine of amazing information about intuitive business. Every month we focus on a new theme. We have masterclasses and trainings and community gathering events. And it's just really incredible. There's such a, just a, it makes me want to cry. The caliber of individuals and intuitive entrepreneurs in the North Node is incredible. And I want more people to experience it. And I want to like even more surprise and delight our North Node members. We do lots of surprises and goodies and VIP, very intuitive people giveaways for them. But I want this year to be like the year that we ball out the North Node, like baller in a good way. And then finally, impact. We already have an impact goal of donating 10% of our profits to three anti-oppression organizations of choice, our choice. Our team selects those organizations. So I want to continue that this year. And with our new revenue goal, that would be a lot, a substantial amount of money, which I'm really excited about. And I want to, I know that investing in organizations is a long-term game. You need to continue to provide support. And I would love to be able to do that and create real partnerships with the organizations that we choose this year. And I also would like to begin investing in wellness businesses. So I would like holisticism to take some wellness businesses and potentially invest in them. And obviously to do that as an impact investor, an impact investor versus like a venture capitalist, impact investing has the you know, at the center of impact investing is making a difference and investing in entrepreneurs who are focusing on social change. So that is what I'm excited about and nervous about and honestly a little nervous to say out loud. But, you know, now that I've said it, it really is more real. The the magic is out there. Things are in motion. So that's pretty much it for the four pillars of intuitive business. And I made you a special four pillars of intuitive business exercise sheet that you can grab at holisticism.com slash the number four dash pillars. So you can go grab that. And this is actually (laughs) exactly what my four pillars worksheet looks like personally. So you can have a copy of that. What's up, everybody? We are here doing Witch of the Week, and you have the whole team on the call to discuss this week's Witch of the Week. I'm Wallace. I'm the content editor here at Holisticism, and we have... You got Janelle. I am the community manager here at Holisticism. What, what? And I'm Faiz. I'm the head of member success. And also, I'm really excited to be on this podcast because I like to hear myself talk. <laughs> you do have a nice voice. Got you really do. It's so soothing. <laughs> Whenever I get on a call with Thais, it's like, we're going to have a 15 minute call. And then like an hour and a half later, we're like, okay, anyways. So... <laughs>
And I'm Michelle. I am the head witch in charge of holisticism. Fucking okay, awesome. Right. Excuse me, my language. I was, <laughs> yes, head witch in charge. Get it. I'm here for all of that. And off of the head witch in charge, we're here to chit chat about the witch of the week, which is my pick this week. And to keep on the theme of spooky season in October, I have chosen the director, and I hope I say her name right, Naya DaCosta, who wrote and directed Little Woods, but also the upcoming Candyman that is now being released in 2021. Ooh. It was supposed to come out in June, and then it got pushed to the fall, and now they're pushing it again to 2021, hopefully, so that people can see it in theaters, which I'm very bummed about, but I feel like the anticipation for this movie just keeps growing and growing. I'm so excited. This is also her like first major feature i don't know if you'll know she like got picked out of the crowd at sundance from jordan peele because she made a film uh, also in nyu shout out huh? she's a fellow alumnus oh, but hell yeah sick. hell yeah yeah she was her first feature that she made it went to sundance and she got like tessa thompson and what? another yeah, major little, actor yeah little woods oh, but, it's yeah. really good i haven't seen it yeah i've heard it's really amazing and yeah and jordan peele saw it and said i want her to direct Candyman, and now i think she's up for the new like adventures film Whoa. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'm getting like rolling full body chills because that is amazing Thanks. That's so cool. Also, have you guys seen the original Candyman? It's horrifying. Yeah. And this is actually a sequel to the original one, not the two, because there was two follow-ups that came after, Uh but they're kind of, they're saying like, we are not counting those. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They are objectively bad. Yeah. They're not good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this is a direct follow-up. I'm super excited. And I read something, she had a quote about why they're trying to have people see it in theaters, which I thought was really good because it speaks to, I think, the larger theme of horror and the role that it plays right now in society, especially her being the director behind this film. And she said, the film is about community and stories, how they shape each other and how they shape us. It's about the collective experience of trauma and joy, suffering and triumph and the stories we tell about it. Wow. Yeah. So I really yeah. hope we can all see it in theaters, but I don't know if that's really. Realistic. I don't know if theaters are coming back. Yeah, I don't know if they're coming yeah. back. For real, cross your fingers because yeah. I would like yeah. love to pee my pants beside all of you yeah. in a theater yeah. while I'm scared in this movie. <laughs> Seems like a great team outing. Yeah. I would love to. I want us to see a movie where we cry together. <laughs> that sounds great too. the first movie that Trauma came to my bonding. mind was yeah Jumanji weirdly I don't what? know why I, was like, <laughs> I don't know I thought of Titanic okay that's a good one <laughs> Titanic yeah I yeah. Titanic yeah but you know which one really makes me cry which one Hotel Rwanda oh, oh yo, yes a hundred percent every time yeah. Yeah. Every time. That's a different type of cry than Titanic. That's like... Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. very much so. That's very like full-on yeah. really, depression, this, dude. Yeah, this conversation really took a turn. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, it's a you dark thing. Yeah. We're, it's it started there. Yeah. Also, I, just to bring it back to female directors of horror, I think that's something that I'm super stoked on to see more of women telling, you know, horror stories, because I feel like there's a little bit of a lacking of that in the genre. So I'm really happy that Jordan Peele brought her on. And yeah, I agree. And isn't it like 80% of horror fans are women? Like the people that actually see horror movies are Mm -hmm. are female identifying. And same thing with true crime. Like there's something about- that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, There's something about like, because maybe because those things are like really real for for female identifying people, because like we're (laughs) the ones who get killed. We're like, tell me everything. So like, I know what to avoid. (laughs) I feel like I forget who said this quote. I really wish I could remember, but I will never forget it. It's that- men are terrified that women are going to laugh at them and women are terrified that men are going to kill them. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and it's and Louis like, C.K. Yeah. who oh, notoriously fuck. kind of a gross perv 
pedo dude. So well, he knows. He, he knows. knows. He said that <laughs> from real that. experience. <laughs> yeah, that didn't anyway. age well. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it does in in the larger context of of horror. You're like, yeah, it's relatable. Yep. Yeah, it's just cool. Like on that note, to see people who experience marginalization and who have experienced marginalization and oppression taking back and telling their own stories. Yeah, and like, mm-hmm. gosh, Jordan Peele I, has been such a such an amazing force in that. I feel like just in the last couple of years, hundred percent. He's yeah. coming out Definitely with something is. on Netflix soon too, isn't he? Ooh. A series? I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh sure. wow! You know that just made me think, Michelle, because I was just like, you giving him way more credit than he deserves. But then I was, then I started thinking about the work that he has created, and though it's not explicit, like this is the larger message. There is always a message and it's always like presented in like not the obvious way, but it makes people think. Wow, that's for me, that's the type of art that I think is just transformative, Mm -hmm. especially when you then open it up to someone like Naya to then have the opportunity. It's just like, yeah, that's what it is about. It's about generosity and gift giving through art mm-hmm. or whatever channel you do that best through, you know? Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, well said. I'd like to share which on that note. I have been following, this is not in the realm of directing, but I have been following this woman, Amelia Ortiz, on Instagram. And I believe her, her handle is Ethereal One. Like number number one? Yeah, number one. Ethereal number one. She's incredible to me. She is a self-proclaimed bruja healer. And I just get really inspired by her videos on Instagram. true witch. True witch. And she's a really big plant mom. So I really love watching her, you know, tend to her plants and the lessons that she gets out of cultivating her plants and, and, and being with her plants. She currently has I've been posting a lot. She's actually pregnant right now, which is really lovely. And I'm so happy for her. Like, I know her. <laughs> but, but, but I'll go back every once in a while and kind of just like scroll through some of the messages that she shared throughout the last couple of years and find like new little gems or moments of inspiration. I just really, she's just a freaking powerhouse woman to me. And she has this incredibly thick New York accent that is Amazing. you just can't get away from. You fall in love with her for it. And yeah, I that is somebody who I would definitely, she's really entertaining to, to look at her on Instagram if you're ever kind of scrolling through, but also you get a lot of really wonderful gems and, and she's an inspiring woman for sure. So I'd like to share her as a witch. Ooh, I can't wait to follow her. I love when people don't have a spa voice when they work in wellness, you know, when they're not like whisper ASMR when they're just like dropping the fuck bomb and like maybe they have vocal fry or like they have a you know like they have a weird accent I'm like yeah I want more that I want more of that (laughs) real people real sounds real voices yeah I'm I'm all here for it her accent is let me tell you it's thick I won't even try to attempt it now because I always I don't want to offend anybody but yeah it's it's wonderful it's a wonderful (laughs) thing she's got style yeah the thing for me with accents and like spa experiences, and I, I also preface this in my mind to make sure that I'm saying something that's not inappropriate, but like the thing for me is like when somebody got an accent, I just be thinking about the accent. So then I'll be like, who were they when they were a kid? Is this what their mom sounded like? What kind of food did they cook when they were growing up? Like, what is this culture? And so I just like so distracted. Or if it's an accent like the New York one that I know, in my mind, I'm like, yep, I know her. Mm-hmm. She <laughs> yeah. like, oh, she's so yelled wonderful. at me before, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what makes it so wonderful is like there's this automatic connection. Because like, I, you mm. know, I, I didn't obviously, I spend a little time in New York, but so I know the accent and I know the people, I know the energy. And so I, when I hear her, I'm like, oh my God, yes, I know exactly who you are. I feel you. I'm like, yeah. you you just you get the energy so it's like it makes it and there's more of an authenticity too when you are dealing with somebody who you know is in their authentic voice I think it allows for more connection more of a, a, a I see you you know yeah for sure yeah definitely about that like my my biggest pet peeve in yoga classes is when people have like a yoga teacher voice slash cadence to like the way that they're talking and I can't even do it because like it it provokes like, me to try no it, try it, no, try no it. I, yeah, re- no, try I refuse <laughs> I will not 
like you will do it really well. <laughs> no, I was like, Michelle, I feel like it can I just know go on. So. I know you can. No, stop it. Stop it. I can't. Let's hear your Shavasana voice. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's like that. It's like, I can't do it. No, I'm not going to do it. But you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. I'm with like a bunch of talented, super talented actor film people. I'm like, I went to dance school, so I would never have to talk in front of people specifically. So now um, you got a podcast. I know now there's a podcast. So there we go. But you get what I'm saying. I just, I like it when people are like real. Real is best. I never thought I'd be on a podcast from my bed before. Is this how, I don't know if this is how they did these things. 2020. It's just full of opportunities. <laughs> you can do whatever that. you want. We're all leveling <laughs> up. And I feel like laying down while doing a podcast is a very on brand for me because I'm determined to be well instead. <laughs> it's extremely authentic to who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, we got two amazing witches of the week to follow. What's the best way, Wallace, to follow your incredible director? Maybe the IG? I think on IG, she doesn't post a lot, but she has some cool stuff in her stories. Cool. We'll drop both of those links in the show notes. Mm -hmm. The witch that I'm really into right now is actually Satara. Oh my God. Satara's coming on in the North Node this month. I know. And it's crazy (laughs) because I saw this like, spell that she like said to like hex oppressors dismantle white supremacy and I was like man I'm fucking with this I ain't never heard nobody like go before the the world like this like fuck these white people so I was like I'm with it (laughs) and then (laughs) I sent an email I mean I sent it in my group chat to like our bible study because I was just saying like there's similarities oh this might be a little out there but the way that she's talking about dismantling oppression are similar to the to like what God would decree to the Israelites in the like you know desert. It was just like if you do this, cut off his head. You take his wife, then this and the third. But it's just like, whoa. So I did that to see if there's a comparison between like how she did it and like what we see in the Bible, and if there's more similarity than like differences. And so the fact that she's coming into the North Node, I'm very, very, very excited. She's fucking sick, dude. She's so yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm so excited for that class for everyone who's not in the North node, who's listening to this. We have a a members community called the North node where we um, every month have guest speakers and masterclasses and like all these amazing trainings and it's for intuitive business owners. And Satara is coming in this month because we're talking about what's the theme of the month? Intuition. Intuitive copywriting, right? Spellcasting and copywriting. Yeah. Yeah. Spellcasting. Thank you. So she's coming in to talk about Conjure, which is her practice. And I'm just so excited. She's all, she also, we hopped on the phone before, before when we were scheduling out the masterclass, she's like, you know, that conjures like secret, like you don't talk about it. So like, I can't really talk about it too much in the class. And I was like, what, literally whatever you want to talk about, I don't (laughs) care. Like anything you say, I know it's going to be amazing. So we could talk about like, I don't know, making dinner and I'm sure it would still be amazing. I'm like, not worried at all. She's awesome. That's going to be really fun. I'm really excited about that. I'm ready to, to, to conjure. <laughs> and then yeah. followed up with the craft. I know I'm on my movie tip, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we're all reason. watching the craft together and that's going to be so fun. That's next week. Wow. Mm-hmm. Great. I feel like well, I need to watch the first one over again to like prep for this. Oh, the first one is so good. I watched it recently. Where did you watch it? Is it on Netflix? I actually bought it from (laughs) YouTube. Respect. I think for like $8 or something. (laughs) I thought you were going to say like on VHS and I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I feel like even DVD is enough of a throwback now. That's true. Yeah, at this point. (laughs) At this point, yeah. On (laughs) (laughs) Blu-ray. Weird. (laughs) Yeah. But... Blu-ray fans are diehard. The Craft 2 that we're watching <laughs> next week together is also directed by a woman. Zoe Lester Jones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's pretty dope. Yeah. Speaking of The Craft, that's that movie that True... Yes. The, okay. Yes. So she just came out with a tarot deck. I just wanted to plug what? that. Mm. Yeah, I think it's called True Tarot. 
Yeah, like she's on Instagram, so you should look her up. She's just, it just makes sense to, to me that this is who she is. And she just also is so beautiful. Oh, and I'm just like, yeah, she just so looks beautiful. so good. And I'm just, wow. Yeah. It's the witchcraft. Probably. Okay, I've used this deck before. A friend of mine showed me this deck. Yeah, it's like, so good. Ooh, it's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Wow, on brand for a lifetime. Like she just went with it. She was like, This is me in the craft. This is me in real life. (laughs) I love that. A true witch through and through. Cool. Well, we have so many inspirational witches this week. Thank you all for bringing bringing the heat. I appreciate it. We'll drop links to everyone we talked about today in our show notes. We'll see you guys next week. Okay, bye. Bye. See you next week. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in.